Welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics, and on this podcast, we have honest, explicit, wholesome conversations about sex, pleasure, joy, and connection. Come on over to PleasureMechanics.com, where you will find all of the resources we have been generating for you since 2006, so you can experience more pleasure, joy, and connection in your life on your own terms. You'll find our complete podcast archive indexed by topic in the sex index. You will also find all of our online courses ready to guide you when you are ready to develop your next erotic skill or go on your next adventure with us holding your hand every step of the way. Come on over to pleasuremechanics.com where you'll find it all and use the code speaking of sex for 20% off the online course of your choice. That's pleasuremechanics.com. Use the code speaking of sex to get started with the online course of your choice. On today's episode, we are going to be touching into some tender terrain together and talking about a topic that impacts all of us, all of us without exception, and yet barely gets mentioned. And sometimes none of us ever get to have this conversation at all, um, let alone with lots of love and compassion in the room. Um, So we're hoping that you feel held today in this topic, but just, you know, uh, we don't do this a lot, but a content warning here, we're going to be talking about grief. We're going to be talking about erotic grief specifically and touching into topics that might bring up a lot within your body. But part of our hope today and part of our message from, you know, this whole podcast, not to start at the beginning, ask backwards like I do, but um, part of the takeaway here is that grief needs to be witnessed and erotic grief specifically because it lives in this private terrain of sexuality sometimes never gets to be seen and honored and witnessed. And so we're hoping that this episode is just the beginning of that for you today. Uh, Because we are aware that this episode will probably stir something for all of us. And we're just going in with kind of tender hearts because of that. Right. We live in a culture that talks about sexuality so little. And in such specific ways. It's all the like, good stuff and the orgasm and the be a best lover but what about the grief well exactly what about the harder parts so many of us experience elements of what we're going to be talking about today but do so in such privacy there's so much aloneness and even though many people are experiencing this when we feel it alone it can be so painful to feel in isolation so we just want to remind us that we are in this together And even though there's a spectrum of what people will be experiencing, there's a vast range of how we how this shows up in our life, that you are not alone. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, as we bring some care and attention to this subject, we can allow it to be integrated into our lives and bodies a little bit more. Mm. Mm. And yeah, I'm noticing like even within our 400 and some episodes now our 15 years of service to this community all of the conversations we have, and I don't feel like we shy away from anything. You know, one of our taglines used to be, and nothing is taboo. <laughs> Welcome to pleasuremechanics.com, right? Um, we don't try to shy away from anything, and yet there are things that we just don't mention that often. And we don't integrate into conversation, and they don't come up at dinner parties. And 
people don't ask us about these things. And so they don't get talked about and shared and honored and seen and witnessed. And so in this conversation about erotic grief and grief as a whole, we hope that everyone listening feels seen and honored and witnessed and that we, this can inspire us to show up for one another a little bit more um, in these conversations. And I think, again, especially now, it's 2022, there has been a wave of death and illness for the past few years around the planet. We're a planet at war and facing climate catastrophe, right? Like all of these things tap into grief for so many of us. And yet we still have to go on with our daily lives. We still have kids to feed and jobs to do and lovers to love and feelings to feel. So how do we honor grief amongst that all? What impact does it have on our sexual lives? Um, And how can it actually sometimes be leveraged into more erotic vitality? Because that was one of the surprising things that came to us around grief as we've really worked with it in the past few years. Um, And more recently, since the recent passing of your mother, Charlotte, um, in a conversation with Dr. Alexandra Solomon, she reminded us that grief can actually allow us access to erotic vitality. And that often when there's a death or an illness, that quickly on the heels after that is a wave of erotic renaissance uh, uh, coming alive. Um, So this works in some surprising ways. Um, How can grief connect us to our new opportunities and our new communities, right? Like within death, there is rebirth. Um, So we're going to be taking a very, you know, loving and compassionate look at this. Um, But just tend to what comes up for you in these conversations. And know that that's what's real for you right now. Like feel what wants to be felt as we move into this. Um, Okay, so grief in the biggest sense, right, is this very real human emotion, this potent well of feeling that is kind of the antithesis of so much of what we talk about on this show. And yet is it's like perfect partner compliment, right? Where there is love, there is grief. Where we love, we have loss, we have change. And grief is the emotion that comes up around loss and change and loss of belonging. Breathe with me, baby. (laughs) And we live in a culture that doesn't do feelings all that well in general, let alone these really hard feelings that are private and look different for all of us, but are universal. Raise your hand if you've been to a funeral where people were polite and tried not to cry. Quote unquote polite, right? That response to grief of shut down your feelings. Um, In my family, they said soldier through it, right? In that military language, soldier through this, no one cry. Um... For many of us, we don't have access to grief rituals and rites of passage and cultures that hold grief. Some of us do, um, but a lot of us don't. There are so many different forms of grief. And in our culture, we are aware of death and divorce as an experience of loss. But we don't. But there are all these other categories of grief that happen more privately that we don't give space to. Well, it's the thing like we barely do death and divorce well, right? When you have a major death in the family, like do your friends show up? Does your community show up? Do we have rites and rituals? Do we have expected periods of mourning? Um, Are we given permission to feel that, you know, in a big way? And most often the answer is no, even for the death of someone very close to us. 
Like we are not supported in that feeling state, that life experience. Um, Divorce, same thing. Like sometimes our friends rally around us. But these categories of grief, at least we can name out loud, right? You can go into work and tell your coworkers, I'm going through the death of a loved one. And you will get some form of bereavement care. Maybe, right? Maybe. And that is so like, it's just kind of shocking to name. And I hope we can all feel less alone in the kinds of grief we've experienced and how alone we have felt. Because when I talk to folks about this, it's the exception rather than the rule when someone has a loss and they get massive amounts of support and like love from their community. For many of us, we've experienced a death in the past few years. We've experienced illness. We've experienced loss. And we don't even get it acknowledged, let alone supported. And in the research, uh, researchers call this category of grief disenfranchised grief. Disenfranchised grief, meaning grief that is not supported by the social structures we are intended to be held by right? Our community, our families, even our care providers. Disenfranchised grief is grief that goes unnamed and therefore kind of lives ambiguously in us and can create this like haze. And within disenfranchised grief, the researchers talk about sexual trauma right at the top of that list, right? And so we know the prevalence of sexual trauma And we talk about the trauma of sexual trauma, but we don't often talk about the grief that us survivors feel. And again, when we talk about grief, we're talking about loss, we're talking about disruptive change, and we're talking about loss of a sense of belonging or identity, right? It can be a death of a sense of self. And so the grief that comes after sexual trauma can last a lifetime, Um, And it's a grief of like the loss of opportunities, the loss of quote unquote innocence, the loss of potential for intimacy, the loss of pleasure, the loss of freedom, the loss of a sense of safety. And all of those things deserve to be grieved because it's a real loss, right? So we, as we started developing this episode, we were first going to talk about grief as just like the erotics of grief. Grief is something that needs to be deeply felt and shared right, which is our consideration of the erotic as a whole, or all of the feelings and the creative energy of feelings deeply felt and shared is the Audre Lorde definition of the erotic. So grief inherently is erotic. But as we dug into this, we realized that there's this whole category of erotic grief that sits under this category of disenfranchised grief and is vast. And if we're not acknowledging it, if we're not talking about it and honoring it, It can really impact all of these other ways we're trying to connect as sexual beings. We're trying to seek pleasure. We're trying to get in our bodies. Everything else we talk about here at Pleasure Mechanics, right? The pleasure, joy, and connection. What impact does our erotic grief have on that? And so after the break where we thank our sponsors for helping make this episode happen, We want to kind of break down all of the categories of grief that are held in such private territory, acknowledge some of them, unpack some of their sexual impact. And again, we're just dipping our toes in this. This is a big, big topic that's going to bring up a lot, but we want folks to feel seen and acknowledged through it. Yeah. And then a few things that we can do with our experience of grief. How can we integrate that? How can we ask for support around that? Yeah. 
Yeah. And what can we do to like maintain ourselves as vital, alive, erotic beings while also grieving, right? The point is not to not feel the grief. The point is to integrate the grief so we can also turn back towards life and living and feeling all the other feelings. And one of the things that Charlotte's was, you know, venturing into her um, journey with hospice care for her mother, I really emphasized to keep joy alive, Mm -hmm. to really cling to any threads of pleasure and joy we can weave into the grieving process. And hospice is like pre-grieving and slow motion for a lot of people. And so turning towards joy was one of these strategies I offered to you from my experience of much grief in my lifetime. Um, And that was such profound advice um, to look for moments in every single day while doing hospice care of pleasure and joy and really letting it fuel and resource me and my mother's care team. And it was so profound and it really shifted our experience. And it was a beautiful reminder of how important pleasure and joy really can be and how it can shift our lived experience of our life. Right. And it's like it can be an intentional thing we deploy even Uh in these hardest moments in order to remind us of who we are, what we love, the joys we share. Um, And it doesn't dishonor the grief. I think this is what we learn in grieving and grief professionals, hospice care workers are some of my favorite humans because they can feel so much and they remind us to live while grieving, right? Um, And to stay on the alive side of the grief Um, because grief is one of those emotions that can really, when we allow it to become like a cave rather than a tunnel, it can become a place we live especially if we are unsupported. And so the message again and again in this episode is going to be that grief wants to be witnessed and shared and honored and acknowledged. Like I really want to say that sexual pleasure and joy and even taking time to masturbate and have orgasms while you're caring for your mother in hospice, while you're grieving your dead husband, while you're going through sexual trauma recovery, like no matter what we are grieving and what else we are feeling, sexual pleasure and self-care and self-touch and orgasms can be a part of that. Like that's legitimate and it's actually really good medicine. And, you know, we'll drop a link in the show notes to our crygasm episode, to a few other episodes that kind of continue this conversation, but really recognizing pleasure and sexual pleasure, specifically orgasm as a place we can release and release tension that's been accumulating through the work of grieving, right, um, is important. And I just really want to say that for the record, like you can still have pleasure amongst your grief. And in fact, you might find it really good medicine. And just like everything else with sexuality, there are no shoulds. If including orgasm and sexual pleasure isn't something that feels right for you in your grief journey, of course, no need to include it. But are there other ways you want to include pleasure and joy that do feel right to you? Yeah. And when we talk about this and we're going to always paint a range of options, you know, this is everything from dancing in the dark to delicious meals, to having orgasms while sobbing for your loved one, right? Um, We have done all of those things Mm -hmm. (laughs) and more. We're going to take a minute and thank our sponsors for helping make this episode possible. 
At likeakitten.com, you can get curated gift boxes of beautiful sex toys, sexual accessories, and surprise gifts that bring joy and delight and whimsy to your erotic life. To celebrate spring, Like a Kitten is offering our listeners 15% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com slash pleasure or enter pleasure at checkout. Just go to likeakitten.com slash pleasure. Use the code pleasure at checkout for 15% off these incredible boxes of curated sex toys, accessories, and more. You'll always find something surprising and delightful, and you'll get high quality toys at a beautiful price shipped directly to your door in a gift ready box. That's likeakitten.com slash pleasure, and the link is in the episode description. Big thanks to Like a Kitten for sponsoring this episode. Another great way to create refuge and practice self-care during any season of life is audio erotica, and you can discover a treasure trove of stories, soundscapes, and other forms of erotic audio stimulation from our friends at dipsystories.com. Dipsy offers a wide range of ways you can turn yourself on through audio stimulation. You can explore immersive erotic stories, first-person narratives where the narrator comes at you like a hungry lover in your ear holes, my favorite, (laughs) or immersive soundscapes to help you drift off to sleep with a smile on your face. Go to dipsystories.com slash pleasure for an extended 30-day free trial so you can try out everything that Dipsy has to offer. That's dipsystories.com slash pleasure, D-I-P-S-E-A stories, dipsystories.com slash pleasure, and give it a try. See what happens when you immerse yourself in an audio erotic soundscape. I hope you love it as much as we do. Dipsystories.com slash pleasure. Big thanks to our sponsors for helping make this episode possible. And a reminder that we are community supported erotic educators. So if you love what we do and you want to go deeper with us, visit us at pleasuremechanics.com slash love and find ways to go deeper with us yet. Speaking of deeper, let's go deeper into this category of erotic grief. Because as we were talking about this, as we were researching this category that's already pretty big of, you know, disenfranchised grief that includes sexual trauma, we then started talking about all of these other forms of grief, forms of loss and longing and being lost, socially disconnected, that impact our sexual lives, that live right at our erotic core of who we are as beings and are almost never named. Okay, here we go. So forms of erotic grief. And as you feel yourself in these categories, as you hear your stories, as you are reminded of the people you love, um, just feel that you are not alone in that. That for all of these, and we are probably going to not name more than we will try to name. Um, but know that whatever you are feeling, whatever you felt you have lost and long for, and grieve in your erotic life, like you are not alone in feeling that. And we see you and this matters. Like it makes sense that this has 
had an emotional impact on you and felt hard and sad and you haven't known what to do with that or who to talk to about that or how to process it. Right. So we've named sexual trauma and all of the kinds of loss that can trigger, right? Like a sexual trauma is an event or a series of events, um, but it can trigger a lifetime of loss, of a sense of loss of grief and a sense of social disconnect. And we want to keep bringing that into our conversation about grief because one of the lies grief tells us is that we're alone. It kind of breaks the social fabric for us and our sense of belonging, which is so much at the heart of eroticism, is a sense of kinship and belonging. So erotic grief, sexual trauma is the big one that, again, doesn't get talked about and acknowledged enough. Reproductive loss, infertility is a huge category for people, right? Um, Wanting to make a baby and not being able to the way you want to, Uh, losing babies along the way, um, losing very young infants, um, miscarriage and infertility and loss of child. Like that's one huge category that affects people and affects couples. And often is this, uh, this force within a couple's culture that other people don't know about. We don't often talk about how much we're struggling with infertility or miscarriage or loss of child. Um, And then the whole category of medical change when there has been a medical situation, whether that's cancer or some kind of illness or accident that changes your function and the experience of not having sexual function in the way that you desire. Right. Or the way we used to. Mm -hmm. And this can be right like a reproductive cancer or a condition that directly impacts our sexual function. And those often don't get talked about. But it can also be something like a car accident where then you have back spasms and then can't have sex the way you used to. And so you say no to sex and then you get into a rejection cycle and your partner isn't even aware that this rejection has anything to do with the car accident that happened six months ago. Right. The ways that these secrets or these ways that privacy culture around sexuality can bury our very real lived experiences, um, it can become so alienating because the people around us are like, hey, friend, what's going on? How you doing? And we almost feel a social contract to be like, I'm good, busy, but I'm good. How are you? Right. And we bury our very real lived experiences. I mean, we already experienced so much sexual shame to then add function not working the way that you wanted to is another layer of shame that is really challenging to talk about and feel safe discussing with your friends often. Right. And then we add to that a very narrow understanding of even this word function. And if we're operating in a paradigm that tells us if we can't have sex the way we used to, then we are functionless and useless and therefore not lovable and worthy we can see what a downward spiral that can take us in terms of our sense of self, our sense of self-worth. I myself experience this, like none of us are above this. And I really want to emphasize that five or so years ago after my health crisis, when I was so frail, I could not lift a spoon, right? I had no muscle. I was completely weak. I was in chronic pain. I was in bed for most of the day my sense of self and sense of like who I was as a lover for Charlotte, both like as a partner, but then as a sex partner, 
I was at the point where I was like, go on without me. It's better for you, you know? And the desperation behind that was absolutely real. Like I had convinced myself that I was broken beyond repair. And that is a form of grief that's like grieving yourself while you're still alive. It's harrowing. And I want to acknowledge it for any of us who have felt shades of that, of like, I am broken beyond repair. I have nothing to offer others. I will never overcome this, right? Like one of the things grief tells us is that it will feel this way forever. It will be this hard, this scary forever. And when we're in that, that disruption of sense of self, even when a beloved partner is sitting next to you, right? Like I had my wife sitting next to me, actively loving me, tending to me, and I still felt completely alone inside my grief of what I had lost in my body. I have built so much of that back. Things change. And part of the message of this is that Life is awaiting us if we can find it again, like life awaits us and we can turn back towards erotic vitality and pleasure and whatever it is we're feeling at the time, right? I had to feel that pain for many, many years while it was healing to the point where I can now walk more functionally. Um, So medical stuff, right? Like that's, again, a huge category. We haven't even talked about mental illness in this, right? And mental function um, and loss of capacity there as our brains change, as we develop different conditions, as things emerge for us, right? As our mental load grows as we get older, um, there is grief there. Go for it. There's also grief around becoming a parent and the experience of letting go of a previous life. People experience all sorts of changes in bodies if they have birthed a child and feeling loss about the changes Mm. to their bodies. Loss of autonomy, loss of time. And here I want to pause and talk about, so with each of these categories, right, like we're naming big categories, but I also want to pause within each and talk about nuances, right? Um, And so here I want to name the way grief and joy can coexist. And yet socially, when we have new parents in our social circles, we often only want to participate in the joy. Oh, my God, how are you feeling? It must be so amazing. What a cute baby. Oh, he's so beautiful. Right. Like we kind of feed the joy, but very rarely take time to be like, so how are you feeling? You know, what is going on underneath this? What is being lost? How is the relationship doing now that you are not just a couple anymore? You are now with a child, right? Like, and recently I had a friend adopt a child and it was a very like rapid onset of parenting because of the adoption process. And I was able to show up for her in some of the conversations around what they were grieving, what was being lost between them what she was grieving in terms of not being able to carry a child, right? Like, and I relate to that in that I am a parent, but also grieve the fact that I will never carry a child, which is something I really wanted. And I don't really get to talk about that a lot because I'm a mother. And so I don't get seen as someone who would grieve not being able to have a child, right? And so the nuances of this and the complexities of this And being able to hold the both and. I love my daughter. I wouldn't want our family any other way. And I have moments where I am totally overwhelmed by my grief. And I cry about it. At the fact that I will never have a pregnancy. 
right? Like I would, could cry about it now, right? Um, and so we have to be able to hold the both and here, like for each other, you know, I'm looking across the room and Charlotte's tearing up at sharing my grief about this. And, and yet we rejoice in the story of our family together in the same breath and being big enough to hold it all, being big enough to say, I can grieve and feel joy. I can love and feel the loss at the same time gives us permission to feel it all and to not feel like we have to pick and choose, you know? (laughs) And with that, I think there's more space to be able to support each other and to be able to hear what people's real experience is and not try and fix it, not try and change it, not try and look for a silver lining, but just hold and hear what their experience is. I think so many of us don't know what to do when someone has something that is so painful. Um, And it's helpful for us to just remember, we just have to listen and hear their story. Right. Grief never needs to be fixed. It wants to be witnessed and acknowledged. Um, A whole other category here of erotic grief I want to name is the grief of lost sexual opportunities the grief of looking back on our life as we learn more about sex and realize how much time we have wasted, how much bad sex we've allowed, maybe um, how much sex we've had that we didn't want to be having, right? Like as we have a sexual uh, journey and we become more sexually aware and knowledgeable, I hear this all the time of a sense of grief looking back on our past and what was lost in terms of opportunity and what we could have had. This is the line we hear all the time. If only I had known then what I know now, if only I had found pleasure mechanics 10 years ago, maybe I could have saved my marriage, right? There's kind of this maybe if, and there's a nostalgia there. There's kind of a, if I could have been young and felt this way, you know, um, a longing, a longing for what you imagine that could have been like yeah. or a sense of wholeness that that might have brought you. Yeah. And on both ends of the coming out and both ends of the coming more authentic and real in who we are, there is grief. So if we are closeted or we have shut down parts of our sexuality because of shame, um, we can grieve what we are not experiencing. Right to be in a relationship that doesn't hold our sexuality, to be in a sexless marriage under duress. There can be whole lifetimes of grief about the sex life we are not having. And then in choosing to come out or in choosing to end a relationship to honor our sexuality, we can then trigger grief about what was lost. If we come out, we might lose our entire community and sense of belonging um, and family network by choosing to come out as gay. And so sometimes grief forces us to make choices and forces us to hold that both and of I'm going to come out as 60 as gay so I can give myself the opportunity to live as a gay man finally and honor that part of myself. And in doing so, I am maybe losing some of my family members and there will be grief and loss there along with the pride and the celebration and the joy. And I'm still going to make that choice. Right. Sometimes grief stares at us on the other side of a really important choice and kind of is part of what uh, beckons us to stay small or to not change. Right. Grief is part of change. 
And so when we choose change, when we are courageous enough or brave enough to take a swan dive into change, we kind of have to hold hands with grief and like dive with it. Be like, you're coming with me. And there's something comforting about knowing that it just will be part of our journey if we are choosing love, if we are choosing to live fully and to not be so afraid of it. Just know that it is an uncomfortable feeling that is not pleasant, but we can be with it. And it can evoke a sense of aliveness and a sense of a poignant moment and experience of our own life. And so if we can just be with it so much becomes possible and we can move through that tunnel as you were talking about earlier so i want to just you know as we close out talk about this like the feelings of grief the somatics of grief how grief lands in our bodies um and for me grieving has been a real master teacher in feeling and in both the enormity of feeling things urgently and fully sometimes And the long arcs of feelings, the waves of feelings, the way feelings can live in our body and evoked by a mere whisper or a song or a smell or a memory, grief can rise up again and be just as real as that moment of urgent wailing. And grief, of course, looks different for all of us, but If we were all, you know, the 10 plus thousand of us in a room together and we had the opportunity to all share our stories and listen to one another and witness one another. And I asked the question, you know, where do you feel grief in your body? How do you experience it? What does grief feel like to you? My guess is that we would get a comforting echo that tells us about how grief lives with us, how it moves through us. Um... The wailing of grief. I just want to acknowledge, you know, when we talk about pleasure and joy and ecstasy, we talk about orgasm and the tremble of orgasm and the ecstatic shudders, right? I want Relief and release. Right. Like those, like the high peak states of pleasure and joy bring us to this tremble and often to moans and cries and exuberant, you know, vocal expressions of this feeling state grief also has a wail to it and if we let ourselves feel grief and we have the safe space to feel it and sometimes that safety is being alone outdoors sometimes it's in a place of worship sometimes it's with a community of friends sometimes it's on a crowded dance floor where you're anonymous like We have to feel safe to feel this enormity of emotion. But when we can feel grief and really allow it to move through us, it can wail. It can sob. It can cause us to tremble, knees buckle, like hands and feet and knees to the ground, you know, uh, in full somatic surrender to the enormity of the feeling. And allowing that, allowing the wailing is something that some cultures do better than others. Some family systems do better than others. But crying and wailing and vocalizing to the point of utter exhaustion where your diaphragm is, you know, heaving, right? That kind of crying where you're heaving and your muscles are heaving is medicine, it helps our bodies process the enormity of the loss. It moves the, the bigness of what we are feeling through our bodies. 
And I'm just encouraging us all and giving us permission to allow the feeling state to get as big as it wants to get. And then echoes of that have cries, have sobs when they want to come. I cry almost every day. We cry around here a lot, right? Crying. And I I told someone this recently. It's like, if I'm not coming, I'm crying. It's like coming is one way we like shake out and feel and express huge emotions and we allow ourselves to feel a lot. Crying is another. For happy reasons or or more intense emotions. All the emotions can leak out of our (laughs) eye holes, right? And it's not just the tears, it's the breathing and the heaving and then just like the allowing the body to feel. Because if we also talked about the somatics of grief and how we feel grief in our bodies, we talk about the heaviness. It can feel like a very heavy burden that we then have to carry. It can feel like walking through water. And so everyone else is kind of living and you're walking through like heavy water and you feel this heaviness that no one around you notices or feels with you. Um, It can feel like a, a break, right? We use the word heartbreak. Um, I feel like I've lost a part of me, people will say. This feeling of loss can literally feel like something is missing inside of us and our bodies have to find ways to adopt to that, right? Like there's almost like a phantom limb when you lose someone you love. Like where do they live now? And especially in cultures that tell us that death takes loved ones away from us and we are no longer in relationship with them. A little whisper in your ear here, we can be in relationship with our beloved dead. Talk to them, love them, but feel their loss because it's a very real feeling. And again, all of these feelings that we feel in our bodies are ways our bodies are talking to us, expressing what we're feeling and protecting us and keeping us safe. So how do we honor that? And how do we honor grief for one another? So let's close this out with like some ideas about how we share care, how we witness one another's grief. Because all along here, we've been saying like, you don't have to feel alone within these feelings of erotic grief, what has been lost, what you yearn for, the ways you feel lost amongst yourself as a sexual being, right? Part of grief is feeling lost and disconnected. So many of us feel lost and disconnected as sexual beings, period. We don't know where we belong. And we hope you can feel a little bit of belonging here with us, here in this compassionate circle where we love you and we honor you and we see you in all of your complexities, right? In your grief and your joy, in all of the ways we love and lose one another as humans, you know? We're here with you. We're in it with you, um, feeling all the feelings. And when we grieve, we grieve together. And so how can we grieve together more? How can you reach out to your friends and both acknowledge what you are experiencing, like name your grief out loud, and also show up for people you know are grieving? To be able to offer this medicine to each other, I think, is such a gift to know that we need to tell our stories and we need to have a compassionate witness to just hear them and to make that request of each other. Hmm. But like asking them not to fix it, not to try and find solutions. And sometimes maybe some professional support could be useful depending on your situation. Um, But if you can access that, please do. Mm -hmm. 
But even to name there, right, like professional support is never about fixing, right? It's about resourcing and creating strategies. Um, but there's no fixing when it comes to grief. We can't bring our loved ones back. We can't, you know, make our beloved's partners love them even though they're gay, right? Like we can't fix grief sometimes. So we just have to show up and witness. And we just have to honor that it's there and it might yeah. not ever change. It's just there and we're integrating it into our life and our story of ourselves. Yeah. We're allowing ourselves to reorient and accept that part of ourselves and that it's just going to travel with you mm -hmm. and it'll show up as chris said in more intensely in some moments with some memories that come up triggered by songs by smells and then it'll fade away again and that it just travels with you and we make space for that and we honor that in each other and then to witness and make space for the opportunities within grief the rebirth after death um, the ways in which we are still alive right? Reminding one another that we are still alive. Um, one of the things I say to friends in lots of different states of feeling, um, but like, you know, on the social media post, if you know someone has like lost a loved one, what do you say, right? Like sometimes it's like, what do I even say to acknowledge this? Um, one of the phrases that comes from our erotic massage lineage, and that is such good medicine and then I'm just going to offer to all of you is breathing with you from here breathing with you from here I see you I'm breathing with you I love you or loving you from here thinking about you from here and there's something that in the from here reminds your friend like I'm here I'm alive and I am with you I see you because we can't always be with each other and especially with social media, we are aware of one another's grief more than we can actively tend to it. So how do we show up more fully? And then the acknowledgement piece, you know, thinking of you through this unimaginable loss, right? Acknowledging the fact that this is unimaginable. There's no way we can prepare for this. I nod to that with you, right? So much of this is just about acknowledgement and then about care and then again, we're going to close out on the bringing the joy back in, the turning towards arrows. As Dr. Alexandra Solomon reminded us, she said, you know, often if there's uh, infidelity in a couple, there's often been like an illness or a death recently. Um, often after a death or a loss of great proportions, we see a resurgence of arrows in some people. And this was such an interesting thing to remember and to have felt in myself, right? After my health crisis, there was the survival season where it was the go on without me. And that fear then gave way to some hope as I started getting better and I started implementing strategies. And as I like crawled my way back towards life, the resurgence of Eros was waiting for me, you know, and the reminder that life awaits. And so whatever stage of grief bringing in reminders of life. And this is why flowers at the funeral make sense. Flowers, that universal symbol, like plants, genitals waving in the air saying life, beauty, vitality, um, bringing in color back into our worlds. And so there's this period of grief where we need to ritualize grief. And we recently did an episode about ritualizing romance. So we can ritualize grief, we can go deep into it, we can give ourselves a period of mourning and of like really deeply just feeling that thing. And then we come back to life. 
we choose to live again, we choose to turn towards life with our loved ones, offer one another care, feel these things together, and keep living with the grief. It doesn't go away, but we keep living with it, and we return to our erotic life, and we find the joy and celebration and pleasure that awaits us, because we are still breathing, right? We are breathing with you from here. We love you. Whatever this episode stirred up for you, we are giving you a huge hug right now. We are here for you 24-7 at PleasureMechanics.com. And if you want to be in direct touch with us, go to PleasureMechanics.com slash free. Get enrolled in our free online course and you can be in direct contact with us. We love you. We've gathered some resources for you around grief and managing change and turning back towards pleasure even during times of grief and illness and mourning over at pleasuremechanics.com slash grief. And we will be back with you next week with another episode of Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics. Wishing you a lifetime of pleasure.